Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is May the 31st, 2023. As many of you know, I was in Turkey the last couple of weeks, and one of the great joys when I was there uh, was seeing my old friend Soli Özel, one of uh, Turkey's most respected um, and intelligent political commentators. He uh, has 90,000 followers on Twitter. When he began, he had about 10. I don't quite know how he's got so many. He's overtaken me, certainly, because he's a wise man. And we are going to talk politics and the election. The headlines are still resonating. New York Times ran a piece, five takeaways from the election. Uh, Brett Stevens uh, suggests that Turkey's election is a warning about Trump. CNBC uh, has a piece about Putin congratulating his dear friend Erdogan. So lots to talk about. And I'm thrilled that uh, Soli Ozel is joining us. It's late. Or actually, it's early in the morning. Uh, it's June already in Istanbul. Uh, exactly. Soli, happy, happy June. Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. we had dinner uh, just before the election on Saturday night. Delicious meal in Istanbul. Soli, what? Are your takeaways? I don't suppose you were particularly surprised with the outcome of the election, but what surprised you? What's interesting? Sure. First of all, uh, for your listeners uh, and viewers, um, Turkey had a, a presidential election and a parliamentary election on the 14th of May. The presidential election was a two round election. And because no, none of the candidates got the 50% plus one, we had a second round on the 28th of May, whereas the uh, parliamentary elections were only one round, and uh, that was done on the 14th, and the uh, governing bloc coalition actually won the majority in parliament. So what the I guess uh, the big surprise was, uh, maybe it should not have been, was on the 14th when, contrary to the expectations of more most pollsters and uh, common sense. Uh, Mr. Erdogan came ahead four and a half points and was only half a percentage point short of winning the presidential contest in the first round. Then we went to the second round and the second round uh, uh, results were obvious, for me anyway, were not uh, surprising at all. I, I expected that. But many people still hoped, maybe against hope, that perhaps Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu would pull it off, uh, and uh, that was not that was not to be. Uh, in brief, uh, we can talk, we can discuss about the reasons as to why the opposition lost the elections despite fifty uh, percent inflation uh, and uh, increase. I mean deteriorating economic conditions, especially for urban populations, a massive earthquake that shook the country southeast. 11 provinces, pro provinces were affected, over 50,000 people dead in the southeast. Uh, despite all those, how, how was it possible that one, the ruling alliance actually won the majority and second, Mr. Erdogan won the elections? 
in a way, perhaps one can say, uh, at least it's one way of looking at things, in that, uh, yes, Mr. Erdogan won, but I think it was more a case of the opposition losing in spite of uh, very auspicious circumstances for any opposition to win. Tell us a little bit about the opposition, uh, Sali. I know you you had been an early critic. You didn't think that... um, that the man who ran against Erdogan uh, had much of a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you, you're, I'm going to trust you with pronouncing his name better than myself. Tell us a little bit about yeah. him and why you were always rather skeptical. Well, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu is an economist, and uh, he had he headed Turkish Turkey's social security system back in the 1990s, uh, and he was kind of. Um, found himself in the at the head of the of the kind of leftish social democratic party which was actually the party of the turkey's founding father Muhammed Atatürk because his predecessor had to resign after a sexual scandal um, and uh, he has lost almost every single contest elections referenda and others that he had uh, contested Mr Erdogan in uh, indirectly, one can say he won because of his choices in ni- t- 2019 municipal elections. And my take was, first of all, uh, losers ought to resign, uh, especially if they have lost consecutive elections. Uh, and, and secondly, I didn't think he had really the energy to mobilize his party uh, and uh, to basically forge ahead uh, in, in contesting Mr. Erdogan, who uh, he and his party actually ran a campaign that was uh, that took advantage of all the resources that the state made available to them. It was not a fair campaign. Uh, resources were not evenly distributed, and the media was overwhelmingly controlled and therefore pro Erdogan and and the and the and the ruling bloc. But for me. Uh, the failure of Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu was as a political leader who could not transform his party, who could not give the party a goal, a sense of purpose. Uh, and again, as I said, a streak of uh, losing. There were more popular candidates than him. And I also did not like the fact that he ultimately imposed himself on us as a candidate rather than making even his candidacy a far more open process whereby you would also have the legitimacy of participation from below. Who would have been a better candidate? What about the Istanbul mayor? A lot of talk about him. I mean, the safe money is that, uh, I mean, if you wanted to bet, you would say, yes, the mayors of Istanbul and Ankara were far more popular. Poll after poll suggested that they would be far more formidable uh, contestants against uh, Mr. Erdogan. But then again, I mean, the, the caveat is, uh, I guess, these days, everywhere around the world where there are contested elections, accurate polling is almost an oxymoron. I mean, ev- the polls got, get it wrong almost everywhere. In fact, after Turkey, the Greeks went to the polls and the opposition party Syriza's, uh, Syriza was supposed to be only eight to ten points behind the ruling New Democracy Party. The, the difference was 20 percent. So uh, maybe the polls were wrong, but I think in terms of the energy and drive that especially the mayor of Istanbul had in comparison with Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu, 
And it's a counterfactual, but I think he would have made a better candidate. Who are the swing voters? I mean, when you look at the map, Solly, it looks yeah. like United States. You've got the hinterland strongly yeah. for Erdogan. You've got the coast, uh, the cities, uh, Izmir, Ankara, uh, Istanbul, all strongly yeah. anti-Erdogan. Yeah. Um, where are the swing voters? And, and why did they choose to vote to go back to Erdogan? Um, well, first of all, Mr. Erdogan, and this election proved it once more, has an incredibly loyal uh, mass of supporters. They are concentrated almost like a solid granite block at the center of the country and in the north, uh, in the Black Sea region of the country. The coast, which is far more open to the outside world, major cities that are far more cosmopolitan, uh, metropolises, where modern life's um, impact is felt much more... Uh, uh, the, okay, the, the, the impact of modern life is, 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 is felt much more strongly. Uh, those parts have voted against him. In a way, the costs uh, represent the more modern and perhaps forward-looking parts of Turkey. Uh, there is a concentration of population there as well. But in, in the hinterland, uh, except for a couple of cities like Ankara and Eskişehir, um, the population more conservative, more national. And when you look at the map, the, yeah. the far east of the country is solidly red too. Is that the Kurdish question? And, and what was the impact of, no, of that the Kurdish is the issue Kurdish on world. the election? That is the Kurdish vote, and the Kurdish political party chose to support Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu's candidacy. And the way this was all framed, uh, because of the impact in people's consciousness of the uh, war against the PKK, uh, which is a Kurdish insurrectionist or separatist party uh, or, or organization that has been fighting the Turkish state since 1984, the uh, with the encouragement of the government, uh, most people made the connection between terrorism and the uh, and the Kurdish political party. Right, and that was the uh, one of yeah. the the takeaways uh, from the New York Times piece that terrorism warnings resonated with voters. One of the things that struck me, having spent two weeks absolutely, in Turkey, absolutely. is absolutely. I, in fact, a I lot just of police, a lot of checks on the roads, a lot of. Uh, concern about the at least yeah. the potential for terrorism. Yeah, I mean, I just took a cab, and the driver who, who I guess voted for Kılıçdaroğlu was complaining as to why why he was he aligned himself with the with the Kurdish party. In retrospect, one of the reasons why such an alliance was forged was because the opposition insisted that we needed to finish the election in the first round, the presidential election. Well, it didn't. And in fact, if, uh, as, in, as, is, as is the logic of two-round systems, if every party, every movement ran their own candidates, we would have had a multitude of uh, uh, candidates and they would all get what, uh, what, are, what their supporters would give to them. And then in the second round, we'd have a clear choice between one person that we wanted to win and the other person we did not absolutely want to win. Uh, and because that was broken, uh, the, and the alliance or the alignment with the, uh, with the Kurdish party was used against Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu, and that was one of the factors, and I think an important factor, 
to, and, es and especially because the government vilified them and in fact doctored videos to show visually that the, um, that the op main opposition party, CHP, and its leader, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu, were in cohorts with the, with the terrorists. That uh, seemed to have made an impact on, on, on the voters, and uh, they just did not felt that they just did not feel that they should vote for Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu. But you should add to this really immense, incredibly deep loyalty of, uh, of Mr. Erdogan's constituents for him personally. Why? I I, I, let, I let's think... talk about Erdogan. A lot, yeah. of, um, lot of pieces now comparing him to Ataturk. There's something from Politico suggesting that he is like Ataturk. He's certainly the most important and successful um, uh, Turkish pre uh, politician since Ataturk. He Whether is, you like he, him or not, he's clearly an, a remarkable oh no, no, politician. Yeah, he is a very consequential politician. He has reforged or recast, re, um, if you will, the Republican system. The uh, Turkish Republic, by the way, is it will be celebrating its centennial in October this year. And the, the Republic was founded on the principles of enlightenment and uh, looked to, to the West and uh, wanted to modernize the country along Western lines. And Mr. Erdogan comes from a political tradition, an Islamist tradition, that did not necessarily uh, share this vision. And in fact, it opposed that vision. And, uh, and in, in the past 20, 21 years, obviously, Turkey's preferences, Turkey's direction has shifted somewhat. And uh, with this particular victory, with the consolidation of a presidential system that does not have any checks and balances, with the power concentrated almost exclusively in the presidential palace and in the person of the president, Turkey will move into its second centennial being run by a political leader and a political movement or a political ideology that actually uh, presented itself and was formed by its opposition to the Republican principles and to the original uh, vision of the, of the Turkish Republic. In that sense, Mr. Erdogan has put his stamp on the trajectory of the Turkish Does Republic. He, uh, beyond his own particular ideology of nationalism and his ambition, and of, um, his ambition of making Turkey an important player regionally and perhaps even internationally. Does he have a system? Is it a, a patronage system, Solly? Lots of pieces about the yeah. sort of system that he is imposing successfully on Turkey politically. Well, uh, it, 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 the first, first of all, again, let me finish an, an earlier thought. Mr. Erdogan was always... And this in this election also once more proved to be far more popular than his party. His party lost seven points. Mr. Erdogan lost only two and a half points in the first round. And in the second round recovered the 52% that he received five years ago in the presidential elections of 2018. Now, patronage networks, clientelism are definitely, and, and very tight patronage networks are definitely part and parcel of Mr. Erdogan's success as a politician. He, he has forged those links, and uh, he all, not only did he make it very difficult for people to dissent or to defect, but also people who actually partake in that system and benefit from 
handouts, uh, tenders, and all that, also believe that one, uh, particularly about the poor, that they would not get the same kinds of uh, handouts from an opposition uh, president. And secondly, that, they, that the cost of defection may, may prove to be too high. Finally, although, I mean, I live in Istanbul, a, a, a metropolis of about 16, 17, 18 million people, Turkish, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's Turkey's microcosm. We feel the impact of the economic crisis to our bones. And it, it evidently, uh, the provinces, Central Anatolia, the Black Sea, did not feel the impact, the negative impact of the economic crisis in, in the way me, uh, metropolitan centers, urban centers did. And the urban educated middle classes that were protesting against it uh, were actually located mainly in the coastal areas and in central Anatolia. That didn't really change much. More curious is, of course, the fact that the uh, provinces that were hit, uh, at least eight of the provinces that were hit by the earthquake actually went with Mr. Erdogan. Um, and uh, Yeah, this is astonishing. That was um, the other, the second... Mm -hmm. The second takeaway from the, the New York Times piece is that the earthquake didn't affect the election. Is that because absolutely because most of the people affected are Erdogan supporters and they're simply enormously loyal and nothing much can change their mind? Well, uh, loyalty was part of it, and I but I think probably more, more importantly was the fact that Mr. Erdogan immediately cleared the area promised to build a home for them within a year. I don't think he can actually get it done. But, you know, the rubble was cleared, uh, new foundations were laid, and people know that Mr. Erdogan is a doer, and they prefer to believe that he could, within a year, provide them with a roof over their head. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doubt, I, I think it's doubtful that he will be able to do that. But, and they just did not take the uh, promises of the opposition uh, to be too credible, and they decided not to change horses as they were, as they were facing this as they in the aftermath of that calamity. Let me ask you about the vote itself. Uh, you suggested uh, that you would agree with the New York Times observation that the vote was free but not fair. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, to begin with, uh, about ninety percent of Turkish media is controlled by. Uh, publications, stations that are either controlled by or very closely supportive of Mr. Erdogan. Uh, that's that's quite a lot, very powerful. And in fact, the state television gave Mr. Kalishtarolo 27 minutes in the first round and apparently none, uh, no, no time whatsoever in the second round. So you really could not get your message across in the most widely uh, watched uh, television stations of this country. You could not get your message across. Communication was therefore a very problematic thing for the opposition if, he had a, if it had a good message to give to begin with. Secondly, um, the state resources were used to the, uh, to the end and uh, uh, ministers who were candidates for, um, uh, for uh, the parliament, for seats in parliament, did not resign their jobs. They did not even resign after they got elected, which uh, they should have done, but they did not do. So in many senses, this was a very unfair distribution of resources. It was a very unfair 
conduct of the of of, of the campaign and and the barrage of uh, disinformation as well also i think played uh, played a role and there is a debate in the country whether or not you should lay the blame on those negative attributes or was it really um, that the opposition which should have been prepared for that unfairness in the campaign did not really prepare adequately to counter uh, the adverse conditions within which they would have to contest. So what next, Solly? You suggested that things are going to get very dodgy on the economic front. Uh, when we had dinner at the weekend, you suggested that yeah. uh, there was going to be a run on the, on the Turkish currency. There has been one since then. The New York Times suggests that Erdogan, that he is... His fate now rests with economic problems, which are real, which can't be just denied. Can he confront this stuff coherently? Inflation, low interest rates, all the rest of the issues that are on your horizon? Again, Andrew, for your viewers, uh, Mr. Erdogan um, believes that interest rate is the cause of inflation rather than vice versa. And therefore, at a time when everywhere in the world uh, interest rates were going up, Turkish interest rates, in spite of an inflation rate of about 80, 85 percent in 19, I mean, in 2022, and probably around 50 percent now officially, unofficially, uh, the number may be different. The, uh, they have low, the central bank, which is no longer an autonomous or an independent institution, lowered the interest rate down to eight and a half percent. Um, and uh, all sorts of complications that stemmed from it. And they also tried to control the currency, the rate of the currency for which they have depleted the country's reserves. And today, Turkish re central bank reserves stand at around 78 or 80 billion in the negative. Uh, so one way or another, after the elections, of course, you'll have to deal with those. There are signs it, that Mr. Erdogan at least wished to give the message to the rest of the world to the international markets that he will pursue uh, orthodox policies, but he himself said that he will continue. Is it conceivable that he will have his Liz Truss moment, Solly, and the markets, the international meaning, markets meaning. will just simply respond to uh, this absurd uh, misunderstanding of, of economics that he's manifesting? Well, that has already happened. I mean, Turkey does not really have much uh, foreign investment left any longer. Um, there are some swap arrangements with uh, Gulf countries, really, for, for the size of the Turkish economy, they're peanuts. Uh, but, in, I mean, the international investors are always interested in Turkey because it is a huge country. It's a huge economy with great potential with a uh, customs union with the with the European Union, it has a good in, uh, industrial base and all that. But uh, they, I mean, I, at some point, I think five, eight years ago, there were close to two hundred billion dollars invested in Turkey. It's down to I think twenty twenty five billion now. So why Therefore, um, the, why does the victory matter? I mean, the, the BBC ran a piece suggesting that the the victory matters for the West. Is it a is the significance political and military, given what's happening in Ukraine and his relationship with Putin? Yeah, I mean, uh, Turkey, of course, is a member of NATO. Uh, and it is also, especially for the uh, Russia, Russia, I mean, for the Russian instigated war against Ukraine, it is also a very critical country because it controls the passage to the Black Sea. 
And uh, to be truthful, uh, Turkey did uh, invoke the Montreux Convention, which is which was signed by the riparian states in 1936, and uh, called what the Russians call a special operation. Turkey called a war. And by that, it, it began to implement Article 19 of the Montreux Convention, which meant the warships of the belligerents can no longer cross the straits and go to the Black Sea. That, of course, gave a big disadvantage to the Russians uh, against, against Ukraine in the, in the, in the Black Sea. Uh, Turkey has also helped the Ukrainians by delivering drones to them. It had actually very close uh, defense relations with the Ukrainians, but it also has very close relations with Russia. Turkey did not join the sanctions regime. Uh, a lot of goods actually go to Russia uh, from Turkey. Occasionally, the Turkish government tried to actually break the financial sanctions as well, but every time it did that, the American Treasury intervened and then things were calmed down. Uh, and then Turkey repeated, and by the way, the opposition as well repeatedly said that Turkey would not join the sanctions regime. Russia was an important uh, partner and was an important neighbor, but that Turkey still doesn't accept the annexation of Crimea, believes that Russia is in the wrong with its invasion, and wishes, uh, wishes to have a, a peaceful settlement. M mind you, uh, there were two high-level meetings between Russians and Ukrainians, both of which took place in, on Turkey's soil. And Turkey has been very instrumental in convincing Mr. Putin to actually allow the grain corridor, which then allowed the Ukrainians to, uh, to sell their wheat, uh, to their, their cereals and wheat in, in the international markets and basically put the pressure on the prices to go down after the initial uh, rising of the prices. Lots of headlines today, Solly, on um, NATO. You mentioned that. Uh, yeah. uh, Tony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, has suggested that it's time for Sweden to join NATO. Is this an important internal issue? Is this something that um, Erdogan, Erdogan will cleverly politically well, negotiate because he seems maybe. to be so skilled in these areas? Yeah, Mr. Erdogan... Uh, uh, if I mean one, I mean by the way, Turkey's signature is on the new NATO strategic concept, but Turkey did express its uh, reservations about Finland and Sweden's uh, entry into into the NATO alliance. Especially, Sweden was problematic because Turkey believed that Sweden was too soft on terrorist organizations. Uh, the PKK had. Uh, presence in, um, in, in, in Sweden and uh, push the Swedes to change their uh, terrorism law, which will be in effect, in fact, as we speak, on the, as of the 1st of June. Uh, now, Finland already got the green light and is a officially is a member of NATO, and that leaves uh, Sweden out. And Mr. Erdogan also pronounced that he didn't think that Sweden had actually fulfilled all the obligations that it's committed itself to. Well, now everybody begs to differ. Uh, President Biden had a uh, this phone talk with Mr. Erdogan. He congratulated him and also reminded him that he would very much like to see Sweden become a member at the NATO summit in Vilnius that will take place in July. And also man mentioned that uh, he was supportive of the sale of F-16s and the kits to upgrade the existing F-16s in Turkey, which is currently waiting Senate approval in the U.S. Congress. 
Now, uh, the Swedish uh, prime minister had an article in Financial Times today basically saying we've done everything that was asked of us and therefore Turkey should actually give us the green light. And we yeah, should well, I wonder in the future of a post-Ukraine war, if Ukraine applies for NATO, what Turkey's position will be. Finally, Solly, let's begin. Let's end where we began. Go back okay. to Brett Stevens' uh, piece in the New York Times this morning or actually yesterday's, Turkey's election is a warning about Trump. You're a keen observer of American politics as well as uh, Turkish politics. Does his success suggest that Donald Trump has a pretty good chance of winning the presidency back in the U.S., or is it hard to compare Trump and Erdogan? Well, the thing is, uh, the, 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 the proper comparison would have been 2020 when Mr. Trump was in power. Mr. Trump is not in power today. He is the, going to be the challenger in 2024. So I don't think, but I mean, they can be compared in terms of being both being populist leaders with an authoritarian tilt. And uh, Mr. Erdogan actually fought this battle from a position of power. Mr. Trump is going to be the challenger, but due to the intricacies of the American electoral system, he may actually win, even if he does not get the um, uh, the majority of the votes cast in those in those elections. Turkish system is not is not. They do belong to the same political um, uh, species, if you will, of uh, right leaning, uh, authoritarian leaning, populist leaders that actually take advantage of the democratic system and its rules.